Welcome to Anti-Aging Unraveled with Dr. Lori Gerber. The body is one of the most complicated systems in the universe. Dr. Gerber and her guests explore integrative medicine and cosmetic dermatology, combining traditional medicine, alternative health practices, new innovations, and technology, which work together to help you look and feel natural and age gracefully. Now, here is your host, Dr. Lori Gerber. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Anti-Aging Unraveled. Uh, tonight's going to be a little bit of a different format. I will be talking for about 30 minutes myself. I have uh, gotten a lot of questions over the last couple days and weeks, actually, um, about my background, where I came from, how I started this business, um, Dr. Lori, and, and why I did it. So I wanted to start with going through my background, where I come from, my illness, and um, how I can identify with many of my listeners. And then I will bring on um, one of my patients for, I think, almost eight or nine years, um, Suzanne Simon. I'll bring her in at the halfway point to talk about her experience with COVID. I did promise someone that had um, prolonged COVID or um, long hauler syndrome. And she'll also talk about she's a Botox party cosmetic party hostess and has been doing cosmetics with me for, like I said, almost, I think, almost 10 years, eight or nine years. So, um that's where we're going tonight. So hopefully you stay with me and join me for this adventure. I will try not to bore you too much. Um, I've been told I can talk for an hour myself. So really my background is uh, I started in, um, in medicine, not because it was something I always knew that I wanted to do. Um, I'm from Langhorne, Pennsylvania. And growing up, I actually thought I wanted to be a vet and I uh, wanted to save all the animals. And, you know, Obviously, um, that didn't happen, and I went to uh, University of Delaware to go to uh, undergrad and worked at a vet hospital there and hated putting animals to sleep all the time and realized that's not something I could do every day. So I guess the logical choice was just to switch to humans, but I originally went to be an art major, so really, I didn't, really, I didn't honestly know where it was going. Um, so I decided to stick with biology, switched from art, and... Yeah, finished Delaware with a biology major and a Spanish minor. I lived in Costa Rica for a year, spoke, learned Spanish, um, had some of the most fun times of my youth. And now I, uh, I do use Spanish frequently on a daily basis. So, you know, I thought that um, at that point that I was going to go into medicine, but I really didn't have a clear picture of where I wanted to, to go. Um, so, you know, looking back, I think... I always thought helping kids or animals was a natural fit for me. So when I first um, applied to med school, and and this is for some of your parents out there that might, um, if your kids aren't sure where they're going, I I literally did not have a clue of where I was going to be. And I took my MCATs and didn't do very well the first time and decided I was going to take them again. Um, Enrolled in a master's program at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine and decided to go into med school the following year. So I actually took my MCATs twice, did one year extra master's before even going to med school. Um, I get asked the question a lot why I chose a DO school um, over an MD school. And if for those of you who don't know, a DO or a doctor of osteopathy is a little more what we call holistic or homeopathic. It's treating the whole body system as opposed to just treating symptoms. And in, in the allopathic world and even, even sometimes in the osteopathic world, but more in the allopathic world, we run into treating symptomatology 
just because it's there and not figuring out root sources or how things are connected. Um, and I didn't know at the time that I would be doing wellness and functional medicine, but I thought it made more sense to be able to treat the whole body and to work with things that might be interconnected. And I actually like the idea of learning um, manipulation, which is essentially using your hands um, in a way to chiropractically essentially adjust people and, and fix problems that way. And I don't think I ever had the hands for it, if you will, but I loved it and it made sense to me. So that's how I ended up at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, PCOM. And as I'm going through rotations, you know, you're, you're studying and you're trying to figure out all these things. I initially, I loved the heart and I thought I wanted to be a pediatric cardiac surgeon. So I put a lot of my time and efforts into finding rotations that were surgery-based. Um, I wanted to be, you know, fix little babies, just like fixing a puppy to me. So that's the route that I started to take. And shortly thereafter, I realized going through rotations and, and understanding lifestyle and, and what would happen down the line after I picked this rotation or residency, I realized that cardiothoracic surgery was not for me. Um, there was one incident that I will never forget. That was probably the only time I almost passed out in the OR. And I went to, I was doing a surgery. Um, I'm not going to mention the surgeon's name, but when I was in the OR, I, the res, he asked the resident to come underneath his arm essentially and hold the heart backwards so that he could sew a vessel. Of course, he's holding, I'm holding the heart, I'm underneath his arm and they start to cool the room down. You cool the room down. He does his thing. I'm little bent over, hunched over, still trying to hold this heart as steady as I can. And then they rewarm the room while I'm still holding this heart. And with the temperature change, my head bent over, my feet not being able to move and in this awkward position, I literally saw stars. And all I could think was if I drop this heart or fall over that this kid's going to die. And I think at that moment I realized, and that I don't get squeamish with blood. It's not, it was really just about the temperature change, the situation. And I was like, there's no way I can do this for the rest of my life. So that was off the list. Um, so next up was dermatology. And to me, it became a natural fit. It was something that I could identify with. It was very textural colors. Um, it was always figuring out, you know, if something was bubbled or blistered or red or scaly. And, and to me, the art part of that really fit with, with what I already knew. So that was a natural fit for me. And um, I tried to get through as many rotations as I could to see if that's really what I wanted to do. So I actually, coming out of um, med school, was trying to get a, a dermatology residency. And for those of you out there that know anything about the match or rotations or residency, it's a really crazy situation. You put your name in a list and they have to pick you and you have to pick them. And that is called a match. And if you match, you're matched. If you don't match, you scramble. And despite spending a lot of time um, at these hospitals and trying to get rotations, um, I did get matched at a hospital that had a derm program at the time. 
which was called uh, Aria back. Actually, it was Frankfurt when I started, and then it turned into Aria, and now it's uh, Jefferson. And they lost the Durham program the year I was doing my, right after I did my internship year. So I was in an internship year at a hospital that I thought I would have a Durham spot that didn't materialize. So again, for parents out there that think that uh, they're still not sure where their kids are going, um, I think that I'm probably, probably proof that you know, if, you res- if you're resilient and you keep trying, you're going to figure it out for somehow it just falls in place. So I tried to get a Durham spot other places for a couple of years and that didn't happen. So I ended up finishing a residency and family practice. And my residency director, who is quite amazing, and uh, I will give him a shout out, uh, Dr. Rob Danoff, actually created a program for me that um, in the DO world, you can create a subspecialty in your residency program. So we put the curriculum together and got a family practice with an emphasis in dermatology. So that's how I ended up where I am today um, as a family practitioner who came out originally practicing in family practice, which I'll talk about, and then have an emphasis in dermatology. So when I came out, I thought I would just do dermatology on the side, do family practice, and be happy. I have a little bit of both. Well, uh, in reality, that's not the way the world, <laughs> the world works. It doesn't really end up the way you think it is going to. And I got really bogged down with family practice. And that's really where I think a lot of what I do is very special. Um, family practice, unfortunately, has become a process of 15-minute or 10-minute intervals with one patient complaint, and the insurance company only reimburses you based upon how your patients perform, meaning what their lab values are, and if you follow protocols, essentially. So I did that for a year and a half and did Botox and fillers and cosmetic derm at night, and that just wasn't for me. I had had realized that, in all honesty, the – the family practice was not fulfilling what I needed and I wasn't seeing my patients get better. And that's frustrating when you have a little, a different ideal or a different approach. I couldn't sit and listen to my patients. I couldn't, I cared about my patients too much. Um, I distinctly remember going home one evening worried about a patient that was supposed to show up for an appointment. Um, She was in an abusive relationship and we were bringing in help. And when she didn't show up that night, I could not stop thinking about something happening to her. And I think at that moment, I realized, actually, that was one of the two moments that I realized that family practice probably, in the way, in the way I was doing it, was not for me. Um, the second thing that happened was I had a younger gentleman in his 30s who had severe back pain and you know, I'm in a practice that is an existing practice with some older docs and was on pain medicine for quite some time. And I, he needed a new MRI, which I requested from him. And I had suggested that maybe we get some interventional therapy and he see a neurologist. He ended up getting surgery and they actually gave him what's called a dropped foot, which means, you know, his foot no longer, he can not really pick it up when he walks. It, it slaps on the ground. And that's when I realized that, um, again, I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to get him off a pain medication. 
and give him a more functional life. And the surgery was, was not successful. And I realized that this is just not something I, I didn't want to keep on the path that this was bringing me. Um, I just kept worrying about patients as they would walk in the door. So fast forward to now, um, after I left family practice, I started a business called Refresh. And I'm sure a bunch of you know Refresh. It's been um, Refresh uh, Wellness, Weight Loss, and Cosmetics. And it's been Refresh. Now it's Refresh Integrative Medicine and Aesthetics. And uh, Refresh, it was my way to bring cosmetics, weight loss, and um, wellness in one place. It was, it was a holistic approach to do everything I needed to do, but I didn't really know where I was going to get my wellness program from. I knew how to do weight loss from um, working some moonlighting during residency, but I didn't know how to do a wellness program. And I, and I really didn't want to do a traditional family practice program. So, you know, I went to do a, um, a convention for credits for CMEs, which is continuing medical education credits and in Las Vegas, and it was called the A4M. And that day that I went to that conference, it's the Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine Conference. The day I went there really changed my life. So um, I will never forget the first uh, day that I sat through. And that day, um, the topics were gut, immune, and brain. Um, And the first lecture was on gut dysfunction. And I distinctly remember sitting there and and just scratching my head because I literally had reflux or heartburn. And I remember from a childhood as a kid walking out the door to go to the bus stop, having heartburn almost every day. I thought it was normal. You know, what kid doesn't have heartburn? You know, you ate something. And they were talking about the connection between the gut and the immune system and, and the brain and how that they're all linked. And I just, I just remember walking out of there going, man, that's way more than I know because I don't, didn't know any of it. And I picked up the phone and called my boyfriend and said, I can't believe that this isn't taught in med school. Like, this is crazy. Why does no one know this information? And that day I signed up for their fellowship program. Um, I went over to their education desk and said, I need to learn more about this. And I signed up for their um, program, which it was three years approximately that it took me, but it was a bunch of modules And it taught me everything that I needed to know, at least at that point, about non-traditional medicine and integrative medicine that I like to call wellness because I just think it's easier. And um, how to apply it in your practice, which I think is is key because a lot of physicians just aren't business people. Um, I think my dad, my dad did raise me in, in business. I worked for him for a long time. And I have some I can do, I have some business acumen. I can understand business, not great with numbers, but I can understand how to build a business where implementation for a lot of physicians is tough. So um, if there's any physicians out there that are trying to implement these, these um, topics, what I did in my practice that I had existing was I literally picked one topic at a time and brought it in until I felt that I had mastered it for a couple months and then would bring in the next topic. And over time, I just created what I call um, my pyramid, my pyramid program. So, um, but it all stems back to me having heartburn every day of my life. And then realizing once I understood this stuff that I had leaky gut and my gut was so messed up um, that I had heartburn my whole life. And it turns out I'm allergic to kicks. So I can't eat gluten or wheat. 
So when I would eat kick cereal in the morning with banana and orange juice, thinking it was maybe the fresh squeezed orange juice, it was really the cereal. So, you know, I can identify with many of my patients because guess what? I can't do gluten. I can't do wheat. For years, I thought it was just gluten, but it's most, and then I can't do anything with um, baker's yeast. So forget any bread of any kind or anything that rises because I have heartburn within 15 minutes. So that's how I ended up here. And I think it's really important to understand that this isn't taught in med school. This is something that um, most physicians really don't understand. And I wish they did. I remember distinctly sitting um, with one of my patients that brought me containers of bioidentical hormones. Ooh, scary stuff. And I looked at her and I was like, I don't know what this is. And she wanted me to refill it. I was probably not even a year out of residency. And I was like, I don't know how to refill this thing. You're going to have to go back to a different doctor. And I think that looking back on that, I think that's insane that I actually said, hey, I I don't know what these are. Instead of looking it up, maybe saying, let me get back to you. I really just poo-pooed it and said, yeah, I don't really know what to do with this. And so many doctors do that because they just don't know. And doctors are, and someone, I don't remember who told me this, but doctors are like caterpillars. They just follow the little fuzzy line in front of them and because caterpillars just follow each other around. And that's how I feel medicine is. Um, it's so outdated. We don't get the newest information in med school or boards. Um, so why, why is no one thinking outside the box? They just follow the person in front of them that told them, hey, this is what it is, instead of questioning and looking outside the box and trying to figure out what's different. Um, or, or some new technique, you know, how can I help somebody that might not, some, someone might not have thought of. Um, so I think that when we, when someone comes to me, the biggest thing that I like to put out there is, listen, you may get some pushback from other physicians. Um, I joke around, I call myself the voodoo doctor of the area. Um, but I do consider myself a pretty, um, a pretty rational person. Um, I like data, just like every other physician for the most part. And I think it's really important to be educated and learn and read about what you're taking and what you're saying. Um, So let's talk about a little bit about um, what I call my pyramid thinking. And my pyramid thinking goes back to what I told you about my reflux and, and when I was a kid, the gut immune brain connection. So my reflux as a kid gave me this stomach that really did not work. It was, I never had digestive issues, but I had heartburn all the time. And when I finished residency, I developed autoimmune thyroid disease. That autoimmune thyroid disease was managed at the time with a physician by, with Synthroid. And I never felt better, never got rid of my fatigue or anything. Fast forward to when I had my son. Um, my son is now 11, so 11 years ago, which, and I had my son my last year of residency. I developed an allergy to every thin skin fruit imaginable. So I had heartburn. I was tired from autoimmune thyroid disease and Synthroid that wasn't working. And then I developed all these new food sensitivities, literally apples, peaches, pears, mangoes, um, you name it. I even had cross-reactivity with almonds and some other nuts, um, kiwis. I literally could not eat anything. 
without feeling like my lips were tingly, itchy, and little hard bubbles. Like it was awful. And I went looking for answers. And just like most of you that are out there searching for your own, being your own advocate, I couldn't find any answers. Um, I'm a physician. I just finished residency. I'm going out to work in the real world family practice, and I could not find an answer. Um, And that's when I found the um, A4M, which is the Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine Institute. So, um, you know, the gut immune brain connection, and, and we'll get to brain in a minute, is real. It is you can't treat one without the other. And what I find is people don't know they have leaky gut um, because they don't associate leaky gut as a medical condition or they don't even know about it. So when we, when we let that go for prolonged periods of time, it can affect your brain. It can affect every part of your nervous system. So you can get brain fog, you can get insomnia. um, You can have um, restless thoughts, anxiety. So, When people change their diets, you do hear often that they feel better in a lot of different ways. And next week, I'm going to talk about using fat as a fuel source for your body instead of um, carbohydrates or sugar. And I think that's really important, especially if someone has leaky gut. And leaky gut is literally, and I got a lot of questions on this our first week. Leaky gut is not leaking. It's just the, the lining of the gut is one cell thick. So just think about one tiny little cell, and if it gets irritated or scratched or stretched out, there's now big gaps between those cells. And when there's gaps, there's holes. Those holes just let your body, and this is the easiest way I can think about it, see things as foreign that they ordinarily wouldn't. For example, my mango. I eat a mango every day. doesn't bother me. I get pregnant. My immune system changes because I just went through pregnancy, and that's what happens. You get this like kind of like the shock to your system. And now, all of a sudden, my leaky gut that had been able to take care of it for all these years, my immune system's turned on because the gut is the biggest lymphatic system in the the body. It's called the Galt-Malt system. And your body starts to make all these antibodies to random things. So, including my thyroid. So, autoimmune thyroid disease caused by my gut, which was leaky. Okay. So, that kind of explains. I got a lot of questions that on the first day. So I wanted to make sure that that was clarified. Um, the, the brain connection takes a long time. And in all honesty, sometimes it doesn't happen until the hormones start to change later in life. Um, so that is something that I think is really important. And I'm noticing right now in my life, I, um, you know, when hormones start to change and testosterone and, and progesterone go down in your 30s and 40s, honestly, before you hit menopause, you find that there's different things that happen. Um, You might not sleep as well. Your brain gets a little foggy. Anxiety is a huge one. People feel like their brain is super restless or they're moody as heck. I get more emails about wanting to kill their husband for 20 of 25 years than, than anything um, from women, not from the husbands, but I do find that that's a big issue in late forties, mid forties when the progesterone starts to drop. And at that point, if your gut's not in a good space and your health isn't optimized, it's really hard to just give someone hormones if we can't fix their leaky gut and the lining of their, basically their, their blood brain barrier, their whole lining. It's one lining from, I, I love this expression and Pete, this is for you. It's from your brain to your butt. It's one lining, one cell thick. So just so you guys understand how that triangle or pyramid um, works 
And I think, you know, I want to bring this back to before we bring Suzanne in um, to the consequences of this long term. And I think it's really relevant now for COVID and um, COVID is affecting people and we don't know why or how, right? People that are perfectly, we think perfectly healthy. And what I have been doing with people for post-COVID syndrome is finding that they really have a leaky gut or their immune system has been, they've been autoimmune for years and maybe no one treated it or they have um, thyroid disease. So their body or even their hormones are declining. There's things that make your body do certain inflammatory processes that are pre-existing that you just don't know are there because you might not feel them. But when COVID hits, it's a chronic inflammatory process and that process just takes over. And once it turns on that light switch, if your light switch was already short-circuited, half-turned on, um, then turning that off is very difficult. So I want to talk about that a little bit with Suzanne when we come back from break because it's, it's important to understand that we can have these disease processes without realizing it's there um, and getting your body healthy and getting rid of post COVID syndrome sometimes isn't just that simple. It's healing the gut. It's shutting down the autoimmune um, system. It's looking for other bugs, co-infections really, really common um, in my post COVID or long hauler syndrome that they didn't even know they had. So, um, we are treating long haulers at this point in post-COVID syndrome. Um, you guys can go to my website. It's mydrlaurie.com. Um, we do have a huge number of people um, coming in right now, so just bear with me into getting back to you. But you can go on there, fill out our intake, and I'll be able to get back to you about the program because it does take time and it does take several years to, or several, sorry, several years, several months to get you better. But we can definitely make strides. So, I think it's important um, to know that you can get the supplements on my website as well. You don't have to do one of my programs. So if you have been reading and you have some knowledge base and you want to try to do some of the cellular detoxes um, or even just start yourself on something as simple as silver, it is very easy to do. Um, there's very little, little downside to that. And I highly encourage people to do it because I really feel like no one in traditional medicine is talking about that. So um, when Suzanne comes on, she is going to talk about her um, struggle with COVID and how it basically left her for weeks incapacitated. And for those weeks, she was in a, in a state of really, she couldn't even call me, to be honest. Um, and I, I was like, why, why couldn't you just call me so to make you better? And it just, it just didn't happen. So we're going to talk about what we put her on, how she got better. We're also going to talk about her cosmetic parties because I think that's really important to understand and know where you're going um, if you bring me in. And um, I also want to go over, I'm looking at a couple of questions here that people are actually asking me. I'll go over some of your questions after the break. So um, let me know when you guys are coming back. Hopefully you stay tuned and we'll bring Suzanne Simon on shortly. And then we'll go from there. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. 
You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you sometimes feel like being healthy and living pain-free is beyond your reach? If you are plagued by poor health and worry that you'll have to live with it for the rest of your life, we have good news for you. There is hope, and it starts right here, right now. Join host Stephanie Parrish for the Vitality Health Show. You'll learn about alternative therapies and natural solutions that really work. Reclaim your good health and your quality of life. Listen to the Vitality Health Show every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. When a loved one is aging, family, friends, and caregiving supporters may have a lot of questions and be looking for the answers and guidance they need to take the next step. On Aging Life Network, host Nancy Oriola talks to professionals such as doctors, lawyers, authors, and other experts related to the field of aging. You'll learn more and, more importantly, reduce stress on yourself and your loved ones. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Anti-Aging Unraveled. To reach Dr. Lori or her guest today, call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at mydrlori.com. Now back to Anti-Aging Unraveled. Hi, guys. Welcome back. And uh, I promise to not use my voice as much on this second half hour. Um proud to welcome Suzanne Simon. Hi, Suzanne. Um, For those of you who might have missed the intro in the beginning, uh, Suzanne is a longtime patient and a friend. Um, She has been a patient, am I right, eight or nine years? Yeah. Okay. Probably nine. Yeah, nine years. So nine years um, she's been putting up with me and I've been putting up with her. (laughs) Exactly. And and hopefully making her better. Um, So she started out as a cosmetic patient and um, has morphed into a cosmetic hostess of parties and recently had COVID. So um, I think that's where we'll start. Um, I just kind of finished up talking about my, what I call gut immune brain triangle. And I think that that really plays a huge role in how patients fare with um, COVID. And so on that note, I'm going to, I'm going to let you just talk, Suzanne. So tell us about COVID. I know it was recent. So yeah. So it's a little over a month ago now that I, um, got my positive test. So, um, and both my rapid and my PCR tests were positive, which is the thing that everyone's always like, I don't, I don't know if that rapid test is even legit, but it's legit, I guess. So, um, you have symptoms when you got the rapid? Well, my symptoms started really like, um, like nothing. I, I just was, I just was weary of them because of everything that's on the news. And, um, and so it was like a little scratchy throat. And then all of a sudden, um, 
I started getting a little bit of a cough and then the cough sort of dissipated and then I got a low grade fever and then the cough started coming on hardcore. And then that was all on like Sunday to Monday. And then by Wednesday, um, Wednesday night, I was 100.7 fever and I felt like crap, you know, like I really, I could, I, I knew I was like, my test is going to be positive. Yeah. So my test was then Thursday and that's when I knew for sure. That was your rapids? That was, I took both oh. tests that day and then my rapid came back positive. And the, um, you know, at the urgent care where I had that test, the woman was like, you are really going to be in tr- trouble. I was like, okay. So, um, rapids so- are, are, pos- are very high accuracy if you have symptoms. Yes. If you don't have symptoms, they're not, they're not, they're about 15%, um, right. False negative rates. So, right. Well, she was listeners. She came back. My son was negative when he got tested, but I was positive at that point. So, um, so then I thought, you know, I'm in good shape. It'll be fine. I'll just, it'll be like a flu. I could handle this thing, you know, whatever. It knocked me on my back for a solid, um, three weeks to the point where I couldn't even call you to ask for help. I know I was t- trying to text you and I was texting the wrong number and um, because I, I knew that you would know what to do, but I just couldn't function. And, you know, I was, the only thing I was doing was like setting my alarm to get up to give um, my son his meds or like to feed him. And my daughter was locked in her own part, you know, in her room. And I was like, don't come out <laughs> basically I said, come out only when we're not there. So, um, but what it were was your bad. symptoms that knocked you on your butt. What were the, um, so the body aches were really legit, like full on hardcore, like, in my spine it was my whole back and my hips. Um, I didn't have a headache, but the brain fog, Oh my God, Lord brain fog. I was like, if this is what I'm going to be like for the rest of my life, then shoot me because I really didn't. I, I, that's the worst part of it for me. was the brain fog and uh, exhaustion. Um, my cough was horrible. I couldn't move without a cough. Um, and it like to the point where I'm, I would talk to somebody on the phone and they were like nervous. So I'd be getting people calling me all day long just because they're like, are you okay? Whatever. My, I had an oxygen thing reading my, um, you know, all my vitals. So I knew um, I was breathing. Okay. It had dropped down only to like 92 a couple of times, but, um, but essentially I was breathing. Okay. And I knew that that was okay. So, uh-huh. so tell, tell the, everybody what you told me at the break, you know, with the, so the brain fog, um, it's really interesting. I, I you know, Suzanne's very, she plays tennis how many days a week? I mean, you play- I mean, yeah, like pretty much five days a week. I'm very, very active, like, and you know, very healthy. I mean, within reason of eating, but she's a very healthy eater. So when she said at the break, I thought was really interesting. And I think it's very relevant and go ahead. You can, you can say it. Well, I was saying now after listening to um, Dr. Lori earlier that I probably have a gut issue because the brain fog that I experienced was so bad. And now it's like, so all of the things that you've given me has, has really has cleared up my brain fog from even before COVID. So, you know, I was suffering because I'm 53, you know, I've, I've, gone through menopause so I do have brain fog um but but it's it's like I can only assimilate it to like looking through smudgy glasses all the time but when you have 
when you have it um, with COVID, it gets to a point where like you're, you're trying to find the right words and you can't even, you know, they were asking me questions. They were doctors were calling me every day from urgent care or from the state um, because I, I said I'd participate in um, whatever they, you know, information sessions for the state. And so, um, but I couldn't find the words that I was looking to, to say. And that was, it was, it was frightening, you know, but now I'm thinking like, because I have other issues going on that I'm just thinking, oh, it's menopause or whatever. But I bet you we discover once we start digging in that I've got some sort of gut issues that I have never known about until now, you know, and, and the brain, and there was also this other feeling of like, um, it's almost like you can feel the swelling on your brain. So it's like a vibration that I was feeling like I would lie down and just shut my eyes and you could feel like the whole head and then throughout the body, almost like a throbbing, like pulsating vibration thing. I've even, I even had bed spins from it. Um, and I was nauseous. I mean, I had every symptom except for the headaches. Headaches started now after, you know, post COVID, I guess. Um, So now I'm having headaches daily and as is my son, because he eventually got it um, from me, I think. So let's just talk a little bit about what we did. So you um, initially, nobody gave you anything, right? You weren't on anything. anything. Just put your full fox on your finger and pray that it doesn't go below 90% for prolonged periods of time. Right. So I think, um, you know, what, what's really missed a lot with COVID and, and I was doing this, gosh, I, I mean, I was testing since April, but I would say that the large groups of people I was treating were probably from late, early October or late October through um, February was that there's a lot of data to, sh- to suggest that the quicker you shut down the inflammation, the better off people do, right? Because we know that this is a light switch of inflammation. And it's just a chronic effect, which is why ventilators didn't work, Right. Um, when you put someone on a vent, they get, everything's done for them. They can breathe and they can keep their vital organs alive. But the problem is, is all the inflammation around it shuts everything down. So really you're just artificially inflating their lungs for them. And they're so junked up with inflammation that at some point they're not gonna be able to aerate. So you, I remember texting me and I vividly remember you saying this, you say, you said something to the effect was, I don't want to die from this. Or I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, don't be, don't let me be dead from this. Something like right. that. Right. Uh, I was going to die from a flu. I was like, I have bigger plans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it go out in a better way than the flu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I listen, we all have bigger plans. We can't pick our day, I suppose, but I know, yeah. but I do remember you saying this. I'm like, wait, are you that bad? Like, I remember thinking, and I've known you for a long time. Like, are you that bad? And I am not and, a complainer or a wuss typically. So it was bad. So the first thing we did was what? Silver. Silver and um, what's the one? Iocyanin. Yes, which I didn't have any um, taste so that at that point, so um, that was not not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. It doesn't taste the best, guys. It tastes great now. It's very just it's super super sweet. But yeah. um, but the silvers that combination, I feel like, and the cellular. There's a um, oh, cellular. Cellular is my glutathione. Um, 
cellular detoxification supplement. So it might be behind me. I can't tell. But, um, you know, you can do that on your own, actually. There are three really easy things to use Mm -hmm. um, that silver is actually great for Lyme, great for bugs, great for infection, but it also is a great anti-inflammatory um, in my first podcast, we talked a lot about silver. He um, was one of the educators for Sovereign or Santander, or not Santander, Sovereign Silver and Argentine Silver. Mm-hmm. And they, um, it's a very small particle size silver. It's, it's wonderful. People cool. were nebulizing it and for, for lungs, which I think, wow, that's yeah, awesome. super innovative and cool. Um, that, I feel like that's helped. As soon as I started taking everything that you gave me because you also gave me the things to um because my lungs were bad and i was developing pneumonia um you yeah. gave me the um what was prednisone. it prednisone we ended up doing prednisone and azithromycin yep and yeah. Yeah, z-pack yeah and, and the reasoning behind that is she was so far past you know had we caught this earlier at our first diagnosis yeah. um we would have been able to shut this down a little bit more quickly but you were so far past it you were definitely in the pneumonia stages mm-hmm. um and you needed the antibiotics and steroids however there's a lot of data and i was doing quite a bunch of this um that right when you're diagnosed to do um, especially if you have a cough or any kind of shortness of breath or loss of taste or smell to do um, azithromycin and prednisone initially um, do a short course and it actually has shortened the course of um, people's infection as well as um, their taste and smell comes back quicker. And people don't understand why it comes back so quickly and like why prednisone would work or it's not, you know, why an antibiotic works. And then the, what you think about is this, it's really the anti-inflammatory effect of the antibiotic early mm-hmm. on, just like we do for acne. It's not really to kill any, well, sometimes it's to kill a bug, but nine times out of 10, it's not. It's a really low dose antibiotic because it's an anti-inflammatory at that dosing. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing really good data on that. So I think, um, you know, we need to, as doctors in general, when people call us about these things, we really need to start thinking outside the box. And that's, you know, and reading, because, I mean, I didn't make that up. <laughs> oh, right. You know, well, I read it. Well, because they never tell, told me anything except drink liquids and stay away from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere and drink liquids. Yeah, that's what they told my boyfriend. Go, go get some cold medicine. I said, yeah, oh, stay hydrated. Really- yeah, they told me to do that too. Take um, NyQuil or something and stay hydrated. So how long do you think it took after we got you on your um, medicine to feel better? A couple of days. It was like within three days of what you gave me. Uh, And by a week later, you know, I was back at Pilates and, um, you know, able to get through. You know, I'm still exhausted. That's the one thing that like at three o'clock every day, which, you know, never used to happen to me. I like fall asleep and I notice my son is doing the same thing. He's coming out from school and falling asleep. Actually, that's a really good point. Um, cause that's something that I'm actually looking into right now that it's, um, probably cortisol related. So, mm-hmm. you know, cortisol is a stress response hormone. So when we get sick, it's mm-hmm. meant to spike. If it doesn't spike, you're in trouble. Like when we test patients in the ICU, they don't spike cortisol. Mm-hmm. Not a good sign, right? Cause they're not making a, They're not getting an immune response. They're not getting a good cortisol stress response. I think what's happening. And I'd be curious to do some saliva testing on people moving forward is that you're getting this adrenal fatigue, which is these cortisol lows mm-hmm. earlier in the afternoon. Um, so your cortisols are like, are shot. Um, yeah. 
And that takes months to fix. Well, that's what the doctor said to me here, the infectious disease guy um, that I eventually got to see just, just after you actually. And I told him everything that I was taking and he was like, Oh, well, that's great. And um, then I did my lung um, x-ray and he couldn't believe how my lungs had cleared up so quickly. Um, So, he was like, what did you, what, and then he wanted to know everything. And so I took a photograph of everything that you had given me to, you know, to take. And he was really impressed and um, couldn't believe it. And, but I'll have to say, I have to say, like, I was dead on my back. And then after taking everything you gave to me, I had the energy back. It's just that it doesn't last. And, right. and, and it did for a while, but now I'm noticing it's like, I'm done with all of the, you know, the prednisone yeah so yeah so let's just talk about that because we talked we talked about maybe having a leaky gut right so let's talk about kind of next steps we know that um we've done some hormone testing on suzanne and i'll I'll chime in on what goes on in menopause so you guys understand we've done a couple things over the last couple days i've got a lot of questions because it was very detailed so i'm going to try to make it a little bit more simplistic um but so let's talk about menopause. Like what's going on with you? What, how did your, what was your menopause experience and, and what's your, you know, obviously we don't know what your gut issues are yet, but let's. Right. So my whole thing is that, you know, like I'm super active. I don't eat a terrible diet. Um, especially now since, you know, this whole COVID shenanigans, I actually thought like, okay, I haven't eaten in three weeks. Maybe I'll drop a pound, but I did not. Um, so. Oh, common. <laughs> so I feel like I'm probably, um, you know, my metabolism has changed. Um, I definitely had all the sweats, you know, the hot flashes where I felt like my car seat was on when it wasn't, <laughs> you know, the seat heater. And um, I, my sleep was not what it used to be. Um, some water retention. Um you know, all the usual things, but, you know, and I did, I remember when I was really in it, I probably had some mood swings too. And I, I can remember like flipping out on my kids. And then I was like, oh my God, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, but that, that was short lived, you know, like it was really fairly not super difficult for me. Right. And, you know, and then just stopped having my period and, now it's just like I can't exercise enough or not eat at all and, you know, like still not lose weight. So your biggest thing is like the metabolic shift, maybe some brain fog. And the brain and, fog, that's the other thing yeah. that's really been affecting me. And that's since I guess menopause, really, um, I do have legitimate brain fog. And I noticed that that's gotten better other than towards the end of the day, it gets bad again. Like I have a little bit coming back now, but it's, you know, it's seven o'clock almost. And so, yeah. So let me, let me kind of break down for you guys. I actually just got a message that asked about um, like insomnia. So I'll get to that in a second. Um, Progesterone and estrogen, I always say are the balancing act, right? So you have a seesaw with two different ends and progesterone is the, I call it the brain hormone. It's the, I want to feel happy and I don't want to be anxious and I just want to not kill anybody and be super, super, nice and like be able to sleep through the night and just be very stable. Um, 
estrogen is probably the not stable hormone. It's the, I want to make you bloated. I want to make you weepy. I want to, um, it does have some good, some good stuff, which I'll talk about, but I just want to make you kind of, I call it the blo- the bush, the squishy, mushy, bloaty hormone. It's the one that kind of makes you not, makes you a girl to be honest, but also, um, is not really fun for weight loss. So, um, and then there's testosterone. So estrogen and progesterone balance each other out. So testosterone is kind of a lone horse and, um, probably a good analogy because it's kind of like the stallion hormone, right? So you, it's your mojo hormone. It's what makes you feel like you can get up and kind of do what you want to do. It's your libido hormone. It's your orgasm hormone. It's your, I can put on muscle mass and lose weight hormone. So a lot of the time, the first hormone to go down is testosterone. So when you, when I talk to patients, I listen, what is the timeline of their weight loss or, or weight gain rather? Um, If it's early on before menopause, maybe after babies, usually it's testosterone related. It can be progesterone, but usually it's testosterone. And we can replace that really pretty easily um, with either pellets or like little trochies, which are lozenges, sometimes creams, not a huge cream fan with testosterone, but that's a whole nother story. And then there's estrogen and progesterone and they, progesterone is the next hormone to go down. So really estrogen's a late faller, if you will. Progesterone goes down 40s, maybe early 50s. Um, and that women notice when their sleep starts to get off, then they can't, um, then they're getting the hot flashes. Then they're, and night sweats, by the way, is testosterone. Progesterone is usually hot flashes. It's the mismatch of too much estrogen to too little progesterone. So when we talk about that hormone, um, everyone thinks estrogen, it's usually progesterone. And then there's um, the estrogen, and, and that takes about two years to three years after menopause to finally fall. So when estrogen is high and progesterone is low, and it could take longer than that too because there's three different types of estrogen, but that's when it's really hard to lose weight because that estrogen is not a very, help, not a very big help for your metabolism. And it kind of just puts that, I joke, the, the fat tire in the middle of the belly fat. It's that hormone. So balancing Suzanne um, is going to be a little bit complicated because she's not super far into it. Um, And she does have some estrogen still. And not everyone tolerates a really nice dose of progesterone, um, which is her. So there are other ways, supplements to get that to happen. Um, But I think the key for her is healing up her gut lining, getting that healed up, making sure she's on the right supplements. Her cells are all detoxed and pretty and then balancing out that progesterone and testosterone. Probably not estrogen yet. That's usually a late guy. So Yeah, it's been like, I'm thinking it's now I'm like two to three years. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you're right at the two to three year mark, right? Yeah. So, and and on our last set of labs, your estrogen wasn't all the way down anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. That I do remember. So estrogen is really only good for a couple things. Skin, hair, vaginal lining, like but it really is only good for a few things. So, you know, to me, that's one of those things that we have to look at and look at symptoms. So I'm getting a four minute to close Mark. So I'm going to let Suzanne really quickly talk about her cosmetic parties and how she hosts them and what we do. So these are the greatest thing ever. Um, Dr. Lori is very popular here. (laughs) Um, Our parties get bigger and longer each time. Um, she comes with her table and we set up like, usually I'll set it up. I'll I'll make a schedule. So we don't have too many people gathered in one place at one time. 
and um, we set Dr. Lori up in her own space and, you know, we sent out a flyer beforehand of all of her services and it gives, you know, a price range and um, that kind of thing. Just basically telling what, what Dr. Lori does. Meanwhile, people come thinking they're going to get one thing and they end up getting a ton of everything they didn't even know existed type of thing. Like I always just let Dr. Lori do whatever. I do whatever Dr. Lori suggests in other words, because you're so like good because you don't ever, I've never seen you do anyone too much. Nobody ever looks artificial. Everybody looks very natural and like they're aging gracefully, but you're just making it happen. Hey, well, I think, you know, I think that's the important thing to understand, too, is that when you host a party, it, there's really little expectation. Um, I think our first party, we had a couple people, right? Yeah. Um, it just kind of blossoms from there. And it's a really comfortable environment. And that's why I started Dr. Luria. That was the biggest question I got is why did I start a separate business from what I already have in my office? And people, especially with COVID, like the fact that they can do small group. It's people that they know. Um, it's around your friends. It's around your family. Um, it's not intimidating. Um, so, you know, when you talk about intimidation, you know, sometimes it's more intimidating to go into a doctor's office and be exactly. sitting there in the chair by yourself. And like, you know, when you're surrounded by people that have like-minded ideas and maybe, and then you can feed off each other. Um, I just did a video where we talked about how guys don't talk about their problems nearly enough and women talk about them ad nauseum, right? So I think that <laughs> when you're around your friends, though, it's a lot easier to understand like what's going to look good, what you, you know, what might not look good. Um, but that the greatest part about the parties is we can do them in your state, in your town, um, at your home, in your facility business. And they are a way to, for you to get some incentive too for what you, um, for your own product and merchandise. So like if you want your own Botox, it's, it's a percentage of what you bring in. Um, so not on like a pampered chef party or a, what are they? The pocketbook parties. Right, um, right. Yeah. So, you know, to me, it's a really good way for me to get to know all of you. Um, and on that note, I'm going to close. We have a minute. So I'm just going to close with saying that um, I'm here to listen to my patients and that is what I do best. And if you want to contact me, you can reach out on my website, mydrlurie.com. You can go to info at mydrlurie.com and just email me. Um, Suzanne's story is so common. I hear it all the time and um, I would love to help everybody. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not your typical doctor and I think that's what makes me different. Um, so on that note, guys, I'm going to uh, roll out of here. So drlurie.com or mydrlurie.com and all the supplements are available on there as well. And I'm going to give you three things to check out for COVID, silver, biocedin, glutathione, which is Cellucleer. And if you're really feeling ambitious, get my Building Blocks multivitamin. All right, guys, have a great evening. Thank you for tuning in to Anti-Aging Unraveled. Be sure to join Dr. Lori Gerber again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week and keep you aging gracefully.